Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive, the bookend of our preparatory work for the NFL season uh, is tonight's pod, where we welcome back outstanding friend of the pod. Uh, great way. I think I feel like we started our NFL prep bringing on our friend Suma, and we're ending the NFL prep bringing on our friend Alex. Uh, this is, a, I think, this is as good as you can ask for as far as you know the way that the preseason NFL prep could have gone for us. So this is this is a good good finale here. Uh, welcome back to the deep dive. None other than Alex Bartlett. How are you tonight, Alex? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm ready for football, man. It's almost. Uh, I'm almost like exhausted. Have, there's football on right now. Point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I got to tell you, like, uh, I'm, uh, I mean, we started early this season, like, uh, after, what was it? After the Nathan's hot dog eating contest back in July 4th, a billion years ago. Oh, it was like July uh, 10th, man. <laughs> we were like, okay, we're starting to roll out NFL content here. Let's get after it. Um, and you know, this was kind of in response to last season. I feel like getting an early start helped us a lot. Um, and so we, you know, we even ramped it even more forward this season. And, and obviously that didn't have any negative consequences because we were all over the Colts in like July and that didn't have any, any backfire at all. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's been good. Um, but, uh, in, in seriousness though, I, you know, the, 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 the off season has gone well, but I'm, I'm like super ready to, to actually see some real football at this point. <laughs> I don't think uh, you yeah, know, be, yeah, you too. I'm ready to stop talking and, and start betting. That's for sure. Do you have any sense of, um, uh, of, I guess major, I actually, you know what? I take it back. Let's, let's go a step further. The, the, one of my favorite podcasts we did all last season in prep was, uh, the new year's resolutions we did with you where we were like saying stuff like I'm going to track my closing line value this year. <laughs> right. And it was like, like that was some novel, like, uh, you know, grand observation that this might be helpful. Right. And <laughs> Turns out that was a big thing. <laughs> and you know, I Boy, feel like did a that, lot of, yeah. Did that ever, yeah. did that ever blossom out? Yeah. I'm going to line shop this year. I'm going to bet into a book that has low vig. I'm going to, you know, like the stuff we were saying at the time in hindsight is like mind blowing. Uh, I almost want to go back and erase that podcast because it's embarrassing that at that time we thought these were things that we, you know, we just didn't have a good concept of, but uh, it's the George whale, not the desk. It's like one of those stupid things, uh, you know, a woman would hang up in a living room. Yes. Journey, not destination. That's right. That's right. Um, and you know, like you know what you know, you know what we did last summer, whale. We danced like no one was watching, and we recorded that <laughs> podcast. Yes, and we it did. did. You're right. It was yes, huge. That was a big step. That was a big step. We were we were dumb betters a couple of years ago. Oh, for we were sure. not very it good. Took at this. Us I don't know if we're good at it yet, Andy. but we're we're better. Andy, how many weeks did it take us to figure out how to actually calculate CLV? And do we even really know now? <laughs> Oh my God. That was such a long DM thread between you and me and then Yumi and Suma and then other people. And then Alex, I think, yeah, Alex was involved in that. Yeah, too. I, was like, on that too. I think all four of us were all four of us between the three of us here and then Suma, all four of us were calculating CLV a different way. I don't think any of us was doing it correctly. And then the even when we sure. came to some sort of consensus, yeah, when we came to consensus, we still weren't doing it completely by the, you know, the actual, the math that you should be using with 
taking the vig free line for the closer. So it, it, it was a process, man. I was excited. I'm like, I got nine cents of CLV and like, that's, that's not accurate. I add up my whole week one and two CLV. I got a dollar and 32 cents guys. Like, Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> That's what I was doing, man. <laughs> oh, hey, listen, if, if if you're not learning though, you're you're already in trouble. You always, I mean, no no shame in admitting that you've learned something in the past year or two. I think everybody hopefully could say the same thing. So I know I certainly can. Oh, that's a great point. Um, so in that spirit, I guess before we get into because so, so kind of to set up the, the listeners here, we really kind of want to just run through and see if there's any value left in any of these prop markets. Traditionally, I am a very poor uh, kind of at the last minute after all of these numbers are sharp. If I if you ask me to throw some darts at MVP, DPOI, like I'm just like slinging and chucking and sucking. Um, but there's got to be some some value here on the board somewhere. And we're going to kind of see if we can sift through it. And at least if, if nothing else, we'll talk through the process of this um, and uh, hopefully identify some 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 good value here. Um, but before we get in there, Alex, any uh, in the spirit of last year's uh, New Year's resolutions pod, anything uh, that you want to kind of throw out there on the table of like this year is uh, this is something that I'm bringing to my process that's new. This is some kind of, you know, thing that I think will help me, you know, become a sharper player in the NFL market. Anything that you want to uh, throw out there to the listeners? Um, well, I, I, you know, I, you guys are kind of clowning on that podcast, but I do think that there's a lot of things in there that are, are still good and still hold true as far as continuing to track CLV and, uh, you know, staying process oriented as opposed to results oriented. Um, but my goal this year really is just to, I mean, like I want to be more conscious of the market and how the market is moving. Um, you know, and, and potentially, you know, spotting setups early in the week and, you know, just continuing to study the market as a whole, uh, because I think that is a, a, a part of betting that people tend to overlook. And I think it is incredibly important. That I could echo a million different ways. I completely agree with you. Yes. Um, without we, a doubt. We will, you know, yeah, Sunday nights. Yeah, Sunday nights will... We'll dive into the first part of the market, and I'm sure we'll tweet things throughout the week. Um, but definitely, you know, Wednesday we'll go over all the games, but that's only looking at it at a certain point. And we're going to record that on Wednesday night. By the time some of you listen to it, things will have happened. You do have to take take a lot of this into your own hands, like Alex said, and really track what the market's doing. Keep an eye on things. Get get an app. There's nice. There's a there's a bunch of decent apps for this sort of thing. There's a bunch of decent yeah. websites. Really watch, and then I mean, a big step you can take. Anybody can say, "Oh, the you know the Patriots line moved up a half point, or it indexed twenty cents." You start to try to figure out why. If there's some some news that came out, or or I mean, honestly, if if you can't figure out why something moved, then it means somebody somebody somewhere hit it. Yeah. And it's for reasons that you don't know yet. So and you, you have to realize, you know, during the t- what time of the week that sort of thing is happening to kind of determine what kind of groups are doing that. And there's there's so much to learn. Honestly, we have so much to learn still about that, too. That is the toughest part. Um, we pumped this up a couple of weeks ago, too, when we spoke to him. But, I mean, I hate to, I hate to pump up anybody 
else's podcast because you should only be listening to the deep dive on repeat but <laughs> mr Chernoff's morning thing like I, I can be i'm okay with you spending 10 minutes of your morning uh adam Chernoff's podcast what is that the simple handicap he gets a lot more into the market yeah that's that's a good one to spend 10 minutes with in the morning he does dive into the market why things are moving he he knows a ton about that and the reason he does he's been on the other side of the counter you know he he has taken mm-hmm. bets before so that's mm-hmm. a it's a good way to it's a, he has a good perspective because of that so and and there's a maybe we should put some something out about that too there's a bunch of good twitter twitter accounts to follow that are are going to tweet things out that have a lot more bearing on that sort of thing than you know just following whatever the greek account is now that says like we have sharp action on the patriots <laughs> you know that, that sort of stuff but take that with a grain of salt and li- listen to some listen to some other people instead that's a good point too. Uh, um, maybe expanding on that, like you know, be understand when openers are going to come out and be ready for that. You know, be prepared for the following week before that Sunday's games even kick off. Be ready to grab some of those soft opens. You know, yeah, you might not have all the information, but neither does anybody else. So you might as well be the first one to the best numbers. Don't be afraid to fire early. I like that call. I agree with all of your your points here. The market, you know, you know, understanding and kind of trying to wrap your head around how the market uh, operates is huge. I'm going to do a better job of kind of doing of, of personally tracking um, limits at some of the market making books. Um, you know, if 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 you don't know that part of it, it's oftentimes difficult to sort out the head fakes from the real moves does that make sense to you guys yeah like if you don't if you don't you don't know if you you know if if you don't know when they're going you know if you don't know when pinnacle goes from 5k to 50k then you don't necessarily know you know when the you know what what's happening before and after our inform you know our signal or noise and i think i'm going to try to do a better job of of sorting that sort of stuff out similarly i got a couple other couple a couple do you know do you know that stuff by the way like there should be a way to kind of uh, 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 keep track of that, but you know that's 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 a that's there's, an important there's no piece guide. of information. It's something that's not... you have to just yeah, it's yeah. Something you just have to my understanding out. is Wednesday is kind of when things. That's when it makes the big leap as far as limits go. I mean, it, it's steadily increasing before then, but Wednesday is kind of when the first the top comes off. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, nobody's dummying the market after limits go up to 50k. <laughs> you know, they're going to be doing it. Yeah, you know. Right. Sunday night, Monday morning, you, you know, when it's to, easy, right. when you can hit something for five grand and move it a point or half point or whatever. Yep. I agree with hundred percent on that. Um, and you know, that kind of actually informs yeah, when you need to get stuff, your, yeah. assuming you're not a limited player, uh, assuming you're not waiting to get 50 grand down, like that means you need to be making those moves beforehand. Um, and you're going to capture value yeah. and you're going to see it. And I, I like from personal experience, like making sure I got bets in on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, when I had, and when I, when I had my data run, I had my, you know, handicap complete for a given game, get that bet in before those limits came up. And then I could realize some of that closing line value, um, as part of, you know, the first wave of, of limit bets started coming in, in the five figure range. So, um, okay, well, uh, that's a big one. Other two that I just want to mention and get your guys feedback on one is I've done a poor job in the, in the past years of, um, not mm-hmm. paying attention <laughs> 
<laughs> not paying attention, not paying attention, not caring about markets that I wasn't personally betting into, right? Like, you know, to a degree, like you have to narrow your bandwidth here. here. You're like, you, you, know, you have to narrow your focus because you don't have the bandwidth to cover every single market across all of the major sides, totals, money lines, and, and NFL in a given week. And, you know, even beyond that, first half, team totals, prop markets, and stuff like Like, you don't have the bandwidth to cover it all. And I've always kind of just narrowly, fo- you know, throw some games out right away. Like, oh, those are good lines. Those are sharp lines. Like, just like, boom, gone. You know, not, not, not pay attention to them. But, I think it's important to kind of evaluate those anyway, even if you know you're not going to make a bet on them, because if the line's moving, there could be some signal that is informing like down the road, like, okay, this team is getting bet on. What is the reason why? What is the angle that's supporting that? What is the, you know, the matchup that is supporting that? Because that's going to help you. You know, if you see something in week six, week seven, week eight, that's going to help you in week 10, 11, 12. Right. And like, honestly, like, because you, Andy, you remember this. Like by the time we got to week fourteen yes. last year, we knew which way everything was going, right? And like it didn't yeah. set, it didn't like set in until I saw the results myself that making bets on sides that were going the right way was, you know, giving you, you know, 67 percent in certain weeks. And so down the stretch, we just absolutely stacked because we kind of had such a feel for which way the market was going to go. And I think it just took, I think it took us longer than some of the other people who are super market oriented because, um, you know, we, you know, I wasn't always paying attention to, Oh, I wonder why that line moved that way. (laughs) Like I wasn't even paying attention to that. Like I thought that was, uh, this all sounds so boring. Why don't you just pick winners? (laughs) Just pick winners. (laughs) No, this is super important. Um, And it goes back. It goes back to some of the things we just said about, you know, using the information going forward, figuring some things out. It's like, in, like you were just saying, once we kind of got a feel for how everybody, the general consensus of people, the early betters, the people who were hitting openers, the money that was going to come in, how a lot of people felt about certain teams, you could tell like, oh, this total is going to get bet up or you know, money's going to come in on New York here. Like, uh, we, and we were wrong. We, we weren't always right, but man, we were, we were hitting a lot of that on the head. It was just easy to tell. And I don't know why we didn't bet more. Like yeah. just in general, <laughs> we shouldn't have been hitting everything that we thought was going to move. Cause we were right more, way more than we were wrong. And just all that extra value in a lot of those games would have been great. And I, I liked what you said there as far as even if you're not interested in the market, if you're saying, I don't see value in this game, even if it moves, even if it moves a point or two, I'm still probably not getting involved. Keep an eye on it. It doesn't take a lot of time. You know, don't spend, don't spend hours on it a week, but keep an eye on the way things are moving throughout the week and get a feel for how the rest of the market feels about a team. And then, uh, like I said, try to ascertain why. If there was news or if it's just a move based on some people coming in on it and you, you don't understand why, you know, tuck that information away because later in the year you might understand why. And it's, yeah. it's good to have that info in your pocket. So yeah. definitely keep, keep, uh, keep paying attention. Yep. Yep. Last yeah, yeah, it's good. Good. That's a good resolution too. Take notes. Don't just let this. Don't just uh, you know count on being able to memorize it when you've been drinking all day Sunday. Um, the uh, <laughs> the other thing, uh, other resolution, real quick. I'm going to pay more attention to the money line market um, and maybe even do some attempt to go both ways in my handicap, not just from straightforward starting with the point spread, but also starting with the win probability in the money line to see if. 
like I can sort out over the course of the season if there's like maybe because it may be more profitable for me to split my stake on a given side and bet money line and and uh, and side, uh, you know, and points. And, uh, you know, I'd like to get some sense of that and get some sense of whether the money line market is in general is poorly um, you know, it's poorly formed, poorly shaped, because I feel like just because this is a North American sport, because people want to bet, you know, you know, minus 110 either side in general, I think, um, you know, I think there's probably a lot of instances where, you know, maybe it, there's a small, you know, you can stack pennies just by capturing a little bit more value, betting a money line than a side over the course of the season that should add up. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to focus a little bit more on the money line market. I think this season. Not just for games. That's a good point. They, <clears throat> yeah, it's a good good point that the two markets are correlated, but they're not directly tied together. I mean, they they two are they are two independent markets and will occasionally move separately. And you know, you're not going to find minus one ten on a you know a three point favorite or anything like that on the on the money line. But yeah, you might be able to get five cents here or there, and that adds up. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, okay. Well, uh, let's um, let's head into this. Uh, take a look. Let's at talk the, props. Uh, yeah, let's take a look at some of these markets. And I guess Propapalooza yeah, yeah. canceled. Yeah, because Jesus Christ, <laughs> so Propapalooza was like the super so contest. It forced us into making picks. When yes, we didn't even think there'd be value. And like, how many picks do you think we made over two years of Propapalooza combined? 35, 40? Uh, I think uh, one of them won. Yes. I made like a you uh, had, and, and it Saquon was, rookie of the year, and exactly. that was it. It was it was the least, it was the lowest price of everything we picked. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> the most likely to hit, and it was the only one that hit out of two years of doing Palooza. So R.I.P. and peace, Palooza. That was a terribly failed experiment. And in hindsight, I get why. Like we were doing that on the eve of the season starting, and you know, like like we're talking now, like these markets have been hammered into place. Like there is not a lot of value out there. That being said, if you shop around, you know, this is like the, this is the quintessential example of shopping around because if you only have money in one sports book and you add up all of the implied probability of every candidate for MVP, you're going to see an implied probability of the entire field that's well over 100%. Okay. Now, in a given, you know, exactly. get, you know, to, for for those of you who are relatively new to this, uh, if you're talking about, you know, a, a, a normal handicap on a side or a total in an NFL game, then you you can do the same thing. You add up the improbable probabilities of your two sides, you're going to get what 104 percent, something like that. Like mm-hmm. it's it's generally, you know, you're looking at a four percent hold betting into those markets, which 104.55, 104.55. Generally, that means that, uh, you know, if you are truly flipping coins, you're going to hit 50% long term and you're going to lose 4%, uh, you know, over until your bankroll is depleted. Um, And if you look at these, you know, look at these MVP markets, if you look at the DPOY market, even the Super Bowl market, like the hold here isn't 4%, it isn't 5%. It's like 50 or 80 Right. Like these, like they have built in an enormous hold here, but in part that protects them because there clearly are options here that are, you know, have little to no 
uh, likelihood of actually coming to fruition. So, um, uh, you know, but they have to, they have to give you something and they can't give you 10,000 to one. So they're giving you a hundred to one. So even though the true probability might be point, you know, 0.01%, like they still are, have to give you a bet that gives you, you know, that implies like a one or 2%, right? So there's that, that is a huge factor in all these markets and that makes them extremely difficult to beat. Um, and there's this huge draw for a recreational better to be like, well, if I'm going to put money down and it's going to be 16, you know, I'm going to have to wait 17 weeks to cash this, this fucker, then it better be for a 50 to one, right? Like that's for sure something that I thought in a previous life as a sports better, which was, uh, uh, you know, pretty misguided given that I was betting into a market with this big a hold. So, shop yeah, around. Yeah, that long, that long shot bias. It's like you said, a lot of these numbers. I mean, unless you actually, you know, are running some some sort of data driven evaluation, and you can you can show something saying, you know, there, there's value in these. All of the long shots are pretty much trash. Like Will just said. I mean, it looks, oh, it's 100 to 1, that long shot bias you have. You know, it's because they're not going to throw 250 to 1 or 300 to 1 where that number probably should be just in case they do get stung. They don't want it to hurt that bad. And, yeah, the whole, somebody asked a question in one of the chats about, uh, you know, books refunding, a couple books refunding Andrew Luck MVP bets. And it's like, well, you know, it's good PR, but the hold in these markets is so high that they could probably refund a couple players, and it still wouldn't. <laughs> there wouldn't right. be like some, you know, they, they wouldn't right. be that worried about getting uh, getting even losing oh money. God. They could if probably they re- pick. They could probably right. pick four or five. You know, just pick four or five players in the middle of the pack and refund all the money. Be like, ah, you know what? Russell Wilson started the season pretty shitty. The team's going to be bad. We're going to all give you all your money back. They're still going to win money on that market. You know, unless some wild long shot that they have a liability, like it's great PR for those books. And it's a cool thing to do. Like, and it's nice. It keeps customers happy because they, they're super sad that they, you know, maybe put a couple hundred bucks on Andrew Luck MVP. And if they get that money back, uh, not, and not only good PR, but odds are the average better is going to give that money that they got refunded back over the NFL season anyway. So of course, they'll get of their course. comeuppance. And of course. No, I, I think you I think you said a lot of good things about the prop market and what a dumb, stupid market it is to enter. So let's let's enter. <laughs> but here's the thing though. Like and you're right, the Andrew Luck thing was a great example. Like if five dimes refunded all of their I'm looking at their I'm looking at their hold now. If they refunded every single Andrew Luck prop they took, their hold dropped from 187, 187% to 185. So, you know, good job. Good job on you. You deserve a hearty pat on the back if you gave people their money back there. Like, thank you very much. So, it's, it's great. Granted, so there's different liabilities. You know, that's it's our math, not knowing what their books look like. But regardless, they've they're fine. Don't worry about these sports books. When they do something, you know, out of the goodness of their heart like that, don't don't give them too much credit, please. Sure. But that said, uh, you have the advantage as a player of shopping across all of the all of the uh, outs available, which gives you the opportunity to put together um, a synthetic market that has a much, 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 much lower hold. 
Uh, and I, Andy, can, oh, yeah. you re, can you recap for me the uh, the example you were saying before about Carson Wentz? Like, I'm high on the Eagles. This, oh. this is not a this is not a surprise. At this point, we just recorded an, a gushing podcast about the Eagles. Like, if I wanted to bet Carson Wentz MVP, like I'm just going to open my book and bet seven to one, right? Yeah, you could do that, or you could shop around because, and boy, not to belabor something, but I'm going to do this all year. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Anytime I'm talking about betting is, you know, the whole shop around shtick, but in these prop markets, it's, it's even more important props and futures, the wildly varying prices are, are something. And it, it's, you know, when you start comparing them as far as win probabilities and whatnot, the numbers aren't that big, but when you, when you start betting these and putting your money on them, you do want to try to maximize it. This is the difference between, you know, betting minus 120s all year and, buying my, and you know, finding a minus 105. So it's it's super important to get the best number. It's super important to have a bunch of outs because we're seeing Carson Wentz 7-1. to one. I'm seeing Carson Wentz 8-1. to one. And then I pop over to a different book, and they have Carson Wentz 18-1. to one. There are some massive... Massive differences. That There's books huge. and same thing. Aaron Rodgers seven plus seven fifty. Different book. Aaron Rodgers twelve to one. You pop around and you know you pop around to some of these different books, and you're going to find some some crazy value. If, you know if if you like something at eight to one, you're going to love it at twelve to one. You know, mm. it, it's something you need to do. And, and, and even <laughs> like if you really if it's it, it's even a reason to open another account somewhere. If you are really dead set on betting one of these season-long props, you know, poke around, ask some people what their books have, and and maybe you, you, you get to the realization your local kind of sucks. Or mm-hmm. if you're just using like one of the more public-facing books, some of those numbers might kind of suck, and you need mm. to move it around. So okay. always look for the always look for the good ones. Well, and tell, like you said, you keep... could you could you could take a couple, you could take a couple of these and combine them like you said, and create a synthetic zero hold. If you take, you know, a group of five or six players, like like uh, our friend there, Lockie Lockerson, he was doing some of this, not not so much to create a synthetic zero hold. He was creating a group of players or a group of coaches in, what, in one of the instances where he said one of these five or six coaches, however many it was, has a chance. And he combined all the numbers and it gave him like a, you know, a minus, I don't remember what the exact odds were, but he dutched it out. So if one of those six coaches won, he, he'd win. It was about even money on, on his investment. I and love he really believed in his process. I loved his process. Love but if you also, if you do that, but then you also make those bets across six or seven books finding the best of the number at each one, you're going to take a bet that, you know, maybe that combined money was about even money in the long run. If one of your bets hit and take it, you know, take it to plus 120, 130. You can yeah. really, you can really move your overall odds just by, you know, taking spreading these out. groups of players you're looking at maybe for MVP, spreading out, finding the best of the number. It's just, it's 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 the plus EV way to do things here. If you're going to be getting okay. futures and so, maybe maybe take it easy on futures though. Let's let's not get nuts. Yeah, no. If you're going to no do doubt. it, do it right. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, Alex, in the context of this conversation around the MVP, if we were going to put together a bundle, uh, can you help me kind of define some rules here? Um, should I be betting on a running back? Uh, well, I mean, you could, but you'd be better <laughs> off donating that money to charity. <laughs> 
typically when I mean the MVP, everybody knows it goes to a quarterback, but it almost always goes to a quarterback um, that ends on one of the top four teams in the league. Usually, one of the teams that's a one or two seed in either side. So, I mean, that really limits your options. Um, I mean, at that point, then a lot of that handicap comes down to how you think the season's going to finish as far as standings go. I completely agree with this. Um, does that make sense then that guys like um, Mayfield, Rogers, Wentz, Rivers, Brady, Watson, Breeze, that they're all in like the same tier odds wise? Yeah. I mean, I would throw out Mayfield, but you know, Mahomes, uh, Rogers, talking. Wentz, <laughs> what, Rivers, Brady. I mean, like those guys. Throw yeah, out Watson. Can we like, throw out Mayfield? Can we throw out Watson? Yeah. Probably. I mean, you know, it, it, the problem with the MVP thing is it really is so top heavy. You know, Patrick Mahomes are probably going to be a one or two seed, so he'd be in there. Rodgers, if you if you believe in Matt Lafleur and think that they can bounce back and they get a you know one or two seed, like obviously he's going to be in there. Same thing with the Eagles. You know, NFC is maybe a little bit harder to predict, but the AFC. I, I mean, Chiefs and Patriots, like maybe a little Chargers, but otherwise, you know, it's. Your odds in this market in general are just, are so limited. Let me ask you a quick question though about Mahomes. Like, does he have to suit surpass what he accomplished last year to get consideration? Because isn't there kind of like a mentality among the voters that if they there's look at his fatigue. stat line, yeah. they look at it, there's fatigue for sure, but they look at his stat like because I'm I'm correlating this now to like NBA. Like LeBron James obviously was the best player in the league for like a decade, right? But you know he didn't do as well statistically in year you know five as he did year four. Therefore, they did gave the award to someone else, right? Like, is there a possibility that if Mahomes does not surpass his stat line from last season and even and maybe you know if they don't get a one seed right like he'll get penalized in the voters eyes if he doesn't do quite as well is that possible that's a really valid point i mean you know even if he throws for 40 or 45 touchdowns which would be an incredible year that's certainly not going to look as good next to 50 you know <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so i think i think that's a valid point you know maybe you're even willing to throw him out um you know, at five to one, you know, I mean, if you're going to bet these, like, you know, you guys were saying avoid the long shots, but I'd like, I'd maybe like to take something a little bit longer than five to one. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I if think, there's, I think there is value in the middle out. of the pack. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and if yeah. you can, if you can figure out a reason to throw out the guy at the top of the market, like you're already ahead of the game, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And I might be reaching. I mean, Mahomes might go over 50 again. Like, I, I mean, you, we've all seen the quotes this week, like, they're talking in Kansas City like you thought we threw a lot last year. You're not going to believe how much we threw this year. Like it's starting to get a little spooky. Uh, if you're if you're doubting Casey or if you're doubting Mahomes, I have to say. So, Separate from the MVP award, I would love it. Like I want to see. Just let him put up like in Madden numbers: seventy touchdowns and like seven thousand yards or something insane. Like how much fun would that be? <laughs> like a full on like full on Mark McGuire type season where you're like. That's, this is impossible. A Barry Bonds season. Yeah. 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 That'd be <laughs> just because the NFL is so insane. Then that would be, you know, he'd do that. That'd be the year where they'd like lose to the Texans in the second round of the playoffs or something too. After, you know, <laughs> oh, averaging bite 50 your points tongue. a game or the something. The Texans dumb. aren't making the playoffs. Bite your tongue. No. Uh, <laughs> we just need him to throw 37 touchdowns. That would be just fine. That would be fine with me too. Um, okay. Well, uh, I think we did a good job there of kind of framing the MVP market. I don't personally see anything worth betting right now. Andy, do you? I'm probably going to take some wins at 18 to one just because it's so far off the market. 
Yeah. He's behind a few guys. I don't think, uh, you know, this particular book can, I wish I would have labeled these cause I can't quite pick this one out. It's one of the ones I don't use much, I guess has Russell Wilson at 14 to one. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't, I don't think that's, that's how those should be lined up. Well, and actually, honestly, actually like, a couple uh, numbers there. I don't I'll mind. tell you what, like, I hate to say this too, cause Wentz is a huge unknown coming off this back injury coming off years out you're coming off the acl but like there's a, like like if i'm psychologizing this psychologizing is a word right Ooh. if i'm psychologizing this uh, there's like uh there's a little media blue balls uh to give Wentz an mvp right like he was anointed anointed the mvp two seasons ago through 12 weeks of the season like everyone was ready to give it to this guy he's the next guy they were ready to crown his ass uh, and then he tears his ACL and they have to find someone else. So there's a little bit that, you know, there'll, there'll be a little bit of eagerness. I want to say if he's got the right stat line and if they're at the top of the NFC, which I think they have a very reasonable shot at. So that's not crazy to me. That's not crazy. I don't yeah, know, think he puts together a good statistical season and the Eagles end up as a one or two seed more greater than 5% of the time. Then yeah, you should probably take some 18 to one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's reasonable too. Um, okay, anything that you that struck struck uh, struck you, uh, Alex, that you were like, this is a weird off number. Um, nothing in particular. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm like Andy said, maybe there's some middle of the pack guys. You know, I'm looking at like a, a Cam Newton if he has a big year, but I don't. I just don't think the Panthers have the upside to be a one or two seed. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson, are the Seahawks going to throw enough for him to put up, you know, just insane high popping numbers? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I guess, not just not seeing it. Plus, I think if there's guys in here that you want to take, you know, like if you want to take a piece of Jimmy G, there's there's other ways that, you know, in other of the markets, touchdowns and yards, you could bet him probably at better numbers, too, would be my guess. Great point. Great point. Okay, let's keep moving down then and yeah. talk a little bit about uh, DPOI. Um, defensive player of the year is always uh, a little bit. I feel like defensive player of the year is even a little bit narrower of uh, of candidate. You know, candidates who have a realistic shot here. Um, you know, it does have to be a defensive player on a team that is considered a great defense, right? Like there has to be a sentiment mm-hmm. of this defense is great. And oh, by the way, that defensive player was spectacular. Like they had those two things have to have you know come together. Um, and there's really not that many great defenses across the NFL anymore. And there's really not that many defensive players who you know who can put together statistical uh, you know statistical lines that are impressive. Um, that said, you know, and and oh, by the way, I think I've talked myself into the fact that Aaron Donald voter fatigue here. This is a voter fatigue year for Aaron Donald. I, I mean, I, I have oh, talked yeah. myself into this. I've talked myself into that, you know, that there's literally like you cannot go back in time and find any outlier performance like he was able to put together with impactful difference making, you know, plays uh, and find any player who is able to repeat that year over year because defense is way more random. It's way more chaotic. This is not like the quarterback position where there's a lot you can draw from previous seasons to inform the next season. Um, so I feel like you can cross off the massive, massive body at the top of this list. Uh, and, uh, oh, by the way, JJ Watt, similarly, I do not think the Texans will be considered a, a, a very good defense, um, in general. And, uh, I think he's an enormous candidate for a red flag for, uh, for injury risk. So, uh, I think there's kind of two guys at the top of this list that you may be able to cut off, you know, cross off, but, uh, 
I gotta tell you, I'm not feeling very inspired I'm, by anyone else. <laughs> what do you think? Guys? I'm uh, no, this I'm tempted to cross off one. Yeah, I'm. There's one more guy I'm tempted to cross off too, which would be, you know, the guy's an absolute stud, but Khalil Mack, uh, Vic Fangio moves on. You know, yeah. Chuck Pagano, good defensive coordinator, but you know, he's he's not, in my opinion, not Vic Fangio. But that does leave one guy who has Vic Fangio as his head coach now who has never won a defensive player of the year and will be in that Khalil Mack pass rushing role. 10 to 1, Von Miller. Anybody? Anybody? I mean, he's Uh, fourth on the list. But if we're crossing off Donald Watt and I'm, I mean, Mack's a stud, but I'm, I'm willing to cross him off at three to one. And he might know. be twelve to one at Bet Online. Von Miller, <laughs> right, you yes. get twelve to one. Uh, can I ask you a question about Von Miller? Can I, can I push back a little bit on this? I mean, obviously, like when you have two, two, uh, like you know, this is this looks like if this if this is an if this is an impressive defense, this is an all world unit. If they are winning games on the back of their defense, scoring touchdowns and carrying their ass, which I think they're going to have to do, by the way, because I have zero faith that Joe Flacco is going to throw this team into contention. Uh, any chance Bradley Chubb and Von Miller split the vote a little bit here, or is it worth taking a guy like Bradley Chubb because maybe he doesn't get double teamed as often because they have to worry about Von Miller and Bradley Chubb? I'm looking at him at like forty five or fifty to one. Oh, that's how, how I didn't. I how did he even do at the end of, or how were his numbers numbers last year? He was well. He, he was a rookie, well, didn't he? Yeah, he was a rookie. He played well, and uh, those who I've heard at Broncos camp have been pretty, um, you know, have been glowing. They they have the they have the shine. They're they're fired up for this kid. Yeah, I mean, twelve sacks last year, uh, two forced fumbles. Uh, he he statistically played really well. And yeah, I guess I, you know, now that you're saying that out loud, yeah, Vaughn Miller gets a lot of the attention. You let this guy who's one year more experienced in, you know, theoretically what's probably going to be a better defensive system run free. Like, yeah, he, he could definitely be up there as far as sack totals in general by the end of the year. Andy, you have any thoughts on uh, DPOI? Yeah, I, I don't mind that look. I do like I do like some longer shots here too. I think you can take some shots. Um, yeah, what if what if I could get you a guy way down the list who was fourth in sacks last year? Really? And I don't how know. If, I don't know if you can. How, I can. How, if you, how far down? Eight, Eighty to one is the the number I'm looking at right now. See, like I talked Hunter? myself into Hunter. Hunter, yeah, last year. Is yes. it the guy? Is it we, we did it last year. I mean, it's <laughs> worth. Yeah, it's worth. He had four, 14 and a half sacks last year. Jesus Christ! It's it's worth a couple bucks. They could be. He, they he had as many back, sacks yeah. as Von Miller. It, and actually, it, yeah, I feel yeah. like it's it's the NBA zigzag. The the defense zigzag, is going to be a good yeah. this year again. Well, yeah. If the was, defense is that's decent, a great, and he, that's a great, he, and he, honestly, uh, he had so segment. many pressures. Obviously, I watch a lot of Vikings games, and he he probably should have had more sacks. Like he's still kind of learning. He's uh, he's a scary dude. He actually could continue to improve. I I think at least fifteen sacks. Honestly, that seems like the floor for him this year. I'm uh, I'm pretty high on I'm pretty high on Hunter. Eighty to one, baby. 
which Ooh. is another one. He's 33 to one in a different book. What? What? <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a good segue. Yeah. I want to ask Alex a question about all over the place. Um, so last year I very, very, uh, I have scars. I have burns. I remember it very clearly in my brain. Uh, I felt like, Oh my God, these Jags defense was amazing. This Vikings defense is unreal. They're so deep. Like these teams are going to be carried by these all world defenses. And then they each fell flat on the face of just poor offensive performance, all in a time where the analytics community was kind of coming together with this kind of notion that, yeah, I mean, you know, good defense is fine, but like, you know, that's not really what's going to win you football games in the regular season. Um, do you have a sense of, uh, you know, are we going to see some uh, regression here where defense matters more this season uh, or has the ship sailed on this? Uh, my guess is at least, well, my guess is the ship has probably sailed, particularly early in the season. I mean, I think if you're looking around the league uh, this year, and, you know, you're kind of paying attention to the hires. Like there, there was a lot of emphasis put on, you know, efficient play calling, passing early. You know, there's a lot of coach quotes out there about, yeah, you still get every once in a while the, the coach who thinks that you need to run on first and second down um, to set up third and short. But there was a lot of emphasis, I, I thought, on play action talk and passing early and, um, you know, bringing in offensive coordinators and play callers who – you know, seem to be, you know, young, not retreads who might bring new and innovative ideas. And, you know, I mean, it's an extreme example, but, you know, the Cardinals hiring um, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, when, when would that have happened even five, 10 years ago? Mm. But uh, yeah. I, I think that's kind of, I mean, again, like I said, that's an extreme example, but I think that's kind of a, a, a microcosm of the entire off season. It's just that line of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Daniel Hunter, I dig. Broncos defensive player, I dig. These are these are decent looks. I'm gonna have to give this some thought. Um we haven't mentioned Miles Garrett. Yeah, these are these two were some small tackles. Miles Garrett has been popular among our friends who who handicapped this market pretty closely. They're expecting like twenty sacks out of him. Um he's looked amazing in camp. Yep. They have a pretty complete offense, you know, defensive line. Are we missing the fact that like these teams we're talking about? Because obviously, like you have to put up stats, right? And, you know, Aaron Donald was able to do it last year because, honestly, like, the Rams' defense was on the field a lot, right? Like, when the Rams were scoring, they were scoring fast. Uh, and, you know, he had a lot of opportunities. They were a little bit faster-paced games in general. They, and also, he had a lot of opportunities because teams were generally trailing the Rams, and they had to pass their way back into it. Um, are these factors that we need to be considering, Alex? I would think so. I, I mean, you know, just kind of looking recently at who has won the defensive player of the year it's aaron donald aaron donald cleo mack jj watt you know luke keekley jj watt Terrell suggs like you know there's a lot of high sack high total you know guys on there and i think that's you know that's an easy and a sexy stat to to point to for a voter you know who's the guy on one of the better defenses in the league that put up big sack numbers well what's one of the best ways to get big sack numbers by forcing your opponents to have to throw a lot Right. Um, so I think there's something to be said about you know being an explosive offense who's going to force your opponents to be in a lot of drop back situations. Mm. I, do, I do think that helps quite a bit. This is open the door for Frank Clark, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of does, right? I'm actually kind of looking. 
I'm looking at uh, Chris Jones. Chris, Chris Jones, Jones, Chris Jones, Chris Jones fans Jones Frank, in. Chris Jones and Frank Clark are going to be on the same D line, man. Um, I mean, then boy, it, you know, I said bet online had Von Miller at a better price. That's nice and all, but apparently they're every other thing they listed is just trash. <laughs> like they've got Chris Jones at twenty eight. Oh, you can good go Lord. and find him. Oh my god. Um, yeah, you can find him at 66. Okay, here's the problem with Chris Jones. He's never Here's the problem with Chris Jones. No matter how amazing he is this year, he's never going to be considered the best defensive tackle over Aaron Donald. Right? Like it's like literally the the angle yeah, of betting tough. against Aaron Donald yeah. is that he doesn't do quite as well and that some defensive end just puts up a stupid number of sacks. Like that's the that's the only way to bet this market in my opinion. Um Yeah, it, it's a DN or an edge guy that gets like 20 sacks or you know possibly a cornerback who has quite the season uh, pick-wise, shutdown-wise and maybe a couple touchdowns. Okay. So. I think we've I think we've done a pretty decent job on this one. Let's move on. I'm going to think about this some more and if I come up with anything good we'll tweet it out. Um the uh about the young about, kids. Yeah, rookie of the year. Um so should I be uh should I should I be throwing cold water on myself, uh, running up to the window to back uh, Daniel Jones as uh, offensive rookie of the year after what I've seen from him this preseason, Alex? Uh, well, I, they, they should be playing him. But I'm being somewhat sarcastic. Love, I'm being somewhat yeah, sarcastic. Their, go ahead. Their affinity for Eli Manning is is disgusting, and it, it's never going to end. I've just come to that conclusion. Yep, they'll try him out there at age fifty, and uh, yeah, and convince themselves that he has a chance to, to carry them to the playoffs again. Um, yeah, this is a this is a problem, um, and you know the offensive rookie of the year. Um, you know, if there is a clear and obvious quarterback candidate in any given season, then it's over, slam dunk. But the yep. way that the Cardinals look like they're probably going to wind up what three and 13. What's the reasonable expectation for the Cardinals, Alex five and 11, three and 13, kind of in that range. Yeah, that would be my guess. Also, can I throw some cold water on what you just said? Yeah. In the last uh, six years, how many quarterbacks have won the, uh, the offensive rookie of the year? I don't know if, I mean, I, I haven't looked, but my guess would it be, it's not that many. Like my, my guess it's is that one, it's, it's only one. Wow. Jesus. Yep. Dak that, Prescott. Yeah, wow. Oh man, I, oh, I should have known that for sure, and I wouldn't have come up with that. I would have guessed you know, someone else. Actually, I mean, re, you know, recency bias, obviously, but it's been really running back heavy lately, even dating back to Eddie Lacy, big fat Eddie Lacy in 2013. Uh, Lacy, Gurley, Kamara, Barkley. It, it seems recently, at least, to be going to those dynamic, explosive running backs with Just guys who can, you know, hop. immediately make an yeah. impact and compile stats. Yeah, high usage, and, and you know, obviously, if there's a runaway you know, a quarterback and like you, obviously you should, you have to consider them regardless, but that the idea it's, it's not the same as the MVP where it's a quarterback only award. You got to be looking at everybody for this one. Dude. Can you believe, can you believe we're going to look back in four years and be like, how about that Saquon Barkley won offensive rookie of the year over, uh, over Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Lamar Jackson. Like it's uh, just mind blowing. Like like the idea that Barkley was more valuable and more important to the Giants last year than uh, than Lamar Jackson was to the to the Ravens is mind blowing to me. It's such a messed up. Yeah, the same. We're gonna do that again. I mean, we're gonna say Nicole Hartman won Rookie of the Year over <laughs> over Danny Danny Dimes and all those guys. 
it's, you feel like you feel like this is a good one to take some flyers. And maybe I'm way off, but this is you take some flyers on some of these running backs that are going to possibly get some time behind some decent offensive lines, like Tony Pollard. If if Zeke's if Zeke's not uh, back or and he could he can earn his way right to the top of the chart there too if he plays well, I don't What's I don't mind number? some of these running backs. Or, or I mean Tony Pollard, I can find a uh, thirty three. I'm looking around here. I haven't completely priced. Is there out. a Dak? What was Dak like a hundred to one or eighty to one? Is there a Dak Prescott scenario out there somewhere where there is a you know a starting quarterback who is in place but? has a history of missing large chunks of time. God, I mean, I can't dude. think of one off the top of my head, but, um, you know, Dwayne I'm Haskins. Drew Locke, Drew Locke 75 to 1, maybe. There we go. Oh, wow. Don't do that. 30, 35 to 1 at dimes. Will I Greer, got, maybe? I got one. I got one I for you. Are you ready for this? What's that? I don't even want to put this juju out there. I don't even want to put this juju out there. This feels bad even saying it. <laughs> I might be deleting this. Say. Jared Who gets hurt? Jared Stidham. Oh, Tom, Tom Brady goes down. Oh man, the, the torches are coming. <laughs> well, Jared Stidham could, you know, with Bill Belichick and the rest of the, that team uh, in that division, he could win 10, 11 games. Am I crazy? I think so. No, I, I mean, I, Brian, I mean, I mean, you really want to throw Brian Hoyer out there? I mean, you know, like at this point, like I, I don't know, no, I, I've seen enough yeah, from Stidham in the preseason, but I would rather see him than take snaps of Brian Hoyer. Agreed. Is he listed anywhere? Yeah, I'm seeing him at like 101 places. <laughs> I feel bad even saying this. I don't. I, I didn't go. That, I didn't go go that far <laughs> down on some of these. I don't want anything to happen. Um, um, okay, well. Uh, so take some flyers on an offensive rookie of the year if you're feeling it. I, I'm staying way away from this market. I have no clue. I, and I, honestly, yeah, like I I'll take be, a couple running back flyers. I should never Nicole be Arden betting. I should never offense. be betting. Uh, I should never be betting rookie of the year market anyway because I really don't understand these guys because I don't watch nearly enough college football to have true opinions on rookies this year until I see them actual play NFL snaps. Real quick, I want to make a stump case. Earl Thomas. AP comeback player of the year. I don't know if everyone can bet it into this market, but I'm full in on him kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in on the Ravens top to bottom as it is um, just kind of being under underpriced as a, as a team and as a franchise that can compete in the NFL this season. I know that there's varying opinions on Lamar Jackson's passing abilities and that that will eventually control their fate once we get to the playoffs. But this is a team that looks primed to win regular season football games, in my opinion. And uh, Earl Thomas looks like a guy that's going to be um, pretty dynamic, especially as you know they are holding leads uh, and keeping teams at arm's length and uh, teams are trying to throw themselves back into games. I think Earl Thomas is going to put up some pretty impressive interceptions and be kind of a, a game changer on this defense. He's uh, he's he's being slept on a little bit. So Earl Thomas for comeback player of the year for me. Um, let's talk some coaches. Andy? Well, well set, up, set up Hunter uh, Henry, 25 to 1. Well, I guess, I, like I, I guess that's, a, that's an okay look. I... <laughs> I, it's it's I, a big I'm, enough number where I, I could I could see him being a huge part of the offense. There's so many mouths. They, if they incorporate though. him heavily, there's so I many mouths. If he ends be. up with like, I know, but if he ends up with a, a bunch of red zone targets, 
ends up with like 14, 15 touchdowns or something stupid, they have to do it. Cause he, cause yeah. of the, this is such, it's a voter thing. Like, Oh, I think, I think the degree of the injury kind of plays into this too. It's not like, Oh, he missed time. Cause he was, a you know, fighting with his team and now he plays for the jets. It's like, okay, Oh man, this yeah. guy's had bad injury luck. And you know, <laughs> yeah, it, why in the hell is even, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name any, I'm not going to like it? pick on any players. Yeah. L bell. No, that's too, yeah, too Le'Veon, Le'Veon's number Le'Veon B. Um, yeah. Why in the world he would be considered as well. Um, anyway, let's talk a little bit of coaches. Uh, Alex, do you want to talk uh, coach of the year or first coach fired first? Want to get real positive or real negative? Mm, uh, let's go first coach fired. Okay. What's what is the criteria here? Are we specifically looking for a coach that gets canned before Black Monday, or you know, is there is does that scenario exist this season? And if so, what are the circumstances? Uh, well, this is so. Admittedly, this is not a prop that I typically look at too closely. But I mean, ideally, you my guess is you're either looking for a coach. Well, probably you're looking for a coach who's already on the hot seat. And, you know, somebody like a Hugh Jackson, um, who is already looking to get cut, I would think with a lot of these coaches who underperform, like, you know, Matt Nagy could start off with a terrible season, but he's not going to get fired. You know, somebody like that, I, I would assume is safe. Resistant, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I'm having a tough time finding numbers for this too, to be honest. But, uh, it, yeah, I, I would think that this market in general is probably priced pretty well. I mean, uh, Jay Gruden, I would think, is going to be way up at the top of that list. True, true, sure. true, true. I'll shoot you some odds, Andy. What are you? What oh, would yeah. your criteria be for looking at first coach fired? Bookmaker. Yeah, I mean everything fired. Alex said. Okay. Yeah, they they really do on this one. It is it is all over the place here, but a lot of it's based on expectations. And yeah, it it has to be. I don't see first. You know, first year coaches do get fired, but it's at the end of the year. Like it's it's usually not the first guy. I'm not I'm not actually afraid was, of like no coach fired during the season this year. There's some books that are offering no coach fired at eight to one. I don't mind hmm. that. Um a longer shot, um, Mike Zimmer, twenty-eight to one or better. I'm seeing that. Uh if I think if the Was Vikings coach fired last spend year? all this money on a first coach fired last year was Hugh Jackson. Um, oh yeah, dog. Yeah, that was a really did. stupid question. We, we <laughs> you set that up. <laughs> I had to think uh, for a second, though. I knew, I knew the there pre- was somebody mid-season. I'm pretty sure the previous season there was not, and then the season before that it was Bob McAdoo. That's my best. Okay, maybe top that. Of my head, maybe off the top of my head. Season before that, I was going to say I thought there was a season in yes. there where it was like we were way, way, way into the season before somebody got canned. Yeah, for sure. And I think most seasons, it's usually towards the end of the season. There's Okay, here's what I remember. It, there are scenarios where a team is up and coming and they fall a little bit short the previous year. Like, I'll just, I'm, I'm not singling anyone out, but let's just say the Steelers last year, right? Like, the Steelers were considered a really good team last year. They were always in the playoff conversation. They were always like, well, what's their seed going to be? Well, they're going to win the North, right? Oh, shit, they didn't win the North. Oh, shit, they didn't make the playoffs. Right. Like, and mm-hmm. now you look at the market numbers on this team, and they are expected again to challenge for the North. They're expected again to make the playoffs win double digit games. Right. Like, a team like that gets off to a poor start. And, like, you have all of these pieces in place. You have all, all of these kind of talented, you know, talented roster spots filled. You have a team that's built to win now. And if you're not winning now, 
like the move is fire that guy at the bye week, right? Get a new voice in there and try to salvage your season. That's your only chance. Like that, they're, like the only reason you're firing a guy at the, the there are two reasons you're firing a guy in season. You're firing him because the team has legitimately quit on him. There's a mutiny, Bob McAdoo style, or there's a chance you think you have a chance still at salvaging your season and you need a new voice in there. That, that's like the Lee Lane Kiffin on the tarmac from the Raiders kind of firing. Right. And <laughs> both, both of those, those are my favorite kinds. Oh yeah. I think both of those scenarios are at play with the Steelers. I really do. I really think they, they don't just don't fire coaches they, though. They I just, just don't, don't fire doing it mid season. No, it's true. There are, it's yeah, true. The, that's the, why his number's like 20 to 1. That's, that <laughs> that's why they're not. What about like, like a Sean McDermott from the Bills? I, I mean, the Bills Mafia, you know, I, they think they got something there. If he gets off to a slow start, you know, 30 to yeah. 1, is he somebody that we could see yeah, on the chopping that's, block? That's not crazy. That's really not crazy, especially if Josh Allen doesn't look good and they're like, we need, you know, and, and Sean McDermott's like, well, I'm not firing my offensive coordinator. You're going to have to fire over my dead body. And they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's <laughs> not crazy. We, <laughs> that's we, not crazy. we are going to call your bluff, sir. <laughs> yes, right. And, and, you, know, and you, know, you know what I want in my, yeah, in my portfolio this year, Whale? I want yeah. a Viking Super Bowl ticket <laughs> and a Mike Zimmer first coach fired. That's another good At about example. the same That's price. That's another good example. Yep. That's another good Get same, the, same kind the, of situation. Polish middle. Yep. And actually, you know who else? Yeah, the boomer bust. You know who else we got? Probably, probably got to consider uh, Jaguars to win Dan the Quinn. AFC South. And also, uh, who's the Jaguars? Um Second. Doug Marone. Doug Marone might get the old uh, the old hookeroo if uh, if the Jaguars stick I'm, out loud. I don't mind new new quarterback, big expectations. Right. Yeah. And the other thing we're not mentioning, and you brought up a great point about the Steelers, like the owner matters, right? Like Bill O'Brien like should be fired, but guess what? Like the owner just died. Like there's really no one at the top who's really like antsy to like do something. Right. And so he's going to have a long leash. There's no general manager there either. Right. Like, like he really is running the show and there's, you know, there's a power vacuum at the top. So like forget about Bill O'Brien. Right. (laughs) dude guy died uh but anyway um the yeah i mean r.i.p but it's still it doesn't it doesn't mean it's not a mess down there no like they they need to i mean they need to get order in place because they have some good pieces like Um, they need to well yeah they they need to get order before deshaun watson dies yes that's true that's true he it's had true. some serious medical issues last year because yeah. this whole organization is just a bunch of goofballs right now. Yes, yeah, right, um, Dan right, Quinn. Right. I don't mind Dan Quinn. That's another one where I'm high on a team. Yes, yeah. And I think everybody, everybody thinks probably everyone in that organization thinks, uh, we moved on from Sark. Everything should be fixed. We have everybody healthy. We have a running back. We have our wide receiver core. We have a lot of defensive pieces. If they don't start out good. If things are really disappointing partway through the season, I think they could uh, they could move on. I don't know. I guess how's how's Mister Blank feel about that sort of stuff? That's a good point, though, too, because they fired all three coordinators this off season, too. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, so there's yeah. there's nobody left to blame down there but him. Great, great, and I don't great I don't know point. what their early schedule looks like off the top of my head, but yeah, if they it's get tough. off to a one and five, one and six start. I mean, he he doesn't have a coordinator that he can just point the finger at and be like, "Oh, this guy hasn't got you know like a Sark who hasn't, or yeah, who hasn't gotten it done in two years." Like it's it's on him. Yeah, 
they start out with uh, Minnesota and uh, and Philly, uh, and it doesn't get easier. Um, they had a lot of indoor games, but uh, other than that, they got they they're going to have some tough competition. So yeah, okay, let's flip the coin then and talk coach of the year. Um, I would lay out coach of the year as you got to have a team that is capable of winning ten games. Yeah, coach of the year goes only to a team that wins double digit uh, games, and it generally goes to a coach where they were not favored to win their division before the season. It goes to the surprise, right? Like that's the MO here. They award a surprise. Uh, and uh, I have no idea who this is going to be. Whoever you think goes worst to first is well, your I coach know. of the year. Surprise kind of like Mike Andy. Zimmer and Dan Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer bust year for Dan Quinn. <laughs> Boomer bust years. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's Matt, Matt LaFleur is kind of intriguing. Yeah, that was one I was looking at. There's, there's you know, that, that feels a like a team if they turn around. Looking at it. Yeah. Bruce Arians comes shoot, in. Shoot. Yeah. Re, you know, Kyle Shanahan finally gets his quarterback and they win 12 games. Uh, you know, Fred, I mean, like, obviously those guys are all three at the top of the list, but like, that's, that's kind of what you're looking for is a team that, is expected to be a, you know, five, six, seven win team and comes in and, and looks well. Like, you know, do you want to tie up your money into a nine, 10, 11 to one guy, or, or would you want to look at it like a Dan Quinn or a Matt LaFleur? I think you're onto something there with uh, yeah. both of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah, LaFleur and Matt and, and Quinn are about 20 to one a piece. And, I mean, those are a couple teams that, you know, Whale and I both agreed on as far as good chances to win the division. They both had pretty disappointing years last year as far as the teams went. The teams were below 500, both of them. If that's a, if that's a situation where, I mean, they're both situations where you have great quarterbacks, you have some good pieces around them, and hopefully they're smart coaches who can make some good offensive decisions. If they win their division, if they get a top seed, they're, Definitely in the conversation, and the twenty to one tickets not uh, not too not shabby. Yeah, it's not bad at all. I like that. I don't mind. That. Okay. What about okay. what about an Adam Gaze? They they take a step yeah. forward and sneak into the wild card right. spot. Sam Darnold looks looks right. good. Tom Brady tears his ACL again. Yeah, that's and not Jared, a bad one. Jared Stidham. Oh, I, Jesus! <laughs> what are you doing to Tom? <laughs> Adam Gaze finally. We get it. Well, you're East. tired of all the winning. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Uh, this is fun. Uh, I like all of this discussion. I think we've laid this out for people to handicap on their own. I don't see any obvious value here. I just would think there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of tickets to be had here. Um, let's let's talk about where there is some value still. The lesser vet markets, um, top touchdowns, top ints, top sacks, top passing yards, top rushing yards. These, these, I think worst record. I think these hold a little value. Why don't we go around? And we'll each make a case for what we think. Like, oh, this holds some value, and this is why. I'll give uh, Andy. You want to go first, or should I give our our guest the esteemed opportunity to? Oh, to let, let him throw one out. <laughs> okay, go ahead, uh, Alex. Anything that you see as you look down down the list here? We'll we'll look at some of these five dimes numbers because they have the most, as far as I can tell you. Um, <clears throat> anything pop as you you scroll through the uh, the endless uh, props up here for um, for the various superlative. Uh, Super, they're not really awards, I guess, but the superlative um, yeah. stat market. Superlatives. I am going to go to most passing yards, and I made uh, kind of a half-hearted uh, effort 
to convince you about Jimmy Garoppolo for 40 to one MVP, but I'm, I'm going to come back here and say, what about Jimmy Garoppolo? Most passing yards at 45 to one. He's gotten, he's, he's not looked well this preseason. I, I understand that. Um, so maybe I'm fading the, uh, I guess, you know, whatever, the opposite of hype. Uh, yep. Fade the public. Uh, yeah. I, yep. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fade the public. No, I just, I think he's looked bad this preseason. I don't know if that's factored into this number at all. Um, but, you know, Kyle Shanahan has turned some, you know, he, he made Nick Mullins look like a competent, efficient passer when he played. Right. And I, I don't know how Jimmy Garoppolo is going to look coming off that ACL, but, you know, if, if that team can be, you know, well, they've shown they can be a high-scoring, well, decently high-scoring offense with pretty mediocre backups. If people think that this guy becomes what they think he could be, you know, I, I don't see any reason. They're going to be good enough to win some games, but not quite good enough to be in blowouts, I think. So I think they're going to be in some passing situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think he could be there at the end of the season uh, for sure. Got a lot of weapons too. He's gonna get, you know, he's gonna get tight end passing yards, fullback passing yards, running back passing yards. He's gonna get it from everywhere. That's true. Um, Their offensive line looks yeah. better this year, or should be improved this year as well. So he he should have some time to make some throws. I like that look. Forty five to one. I can't find any argument with that at all. Actually, um, yeah, I don't see anyone else in that range that's worth sniffing. That's cool. Andy, you ready? I yeah, I had a few. There's so many fun goofy ones I don't mind. Um and again, I'm just back back to my well. Uh the the Daniel Hunter thing. You can also take him most sacks at like 25 to 1. And then just according to and this is Warren Sharp stuff, but he does break down schedules pretty nice. And a lot of this is just forward, you know, forward projection guessing and things won't happen. But they are projected to face the fifth highest um, pass to rush ratio of opposing offenses. So they're going to face a lot of pass heavy teams this year. So he should get a lot of chances. He had 14 and a half sacks last year. Hopefully he's still on an upward trajectory. It just seems like a big number compared to, you know, Donald for most sacks is like plus 250. So I don't mind that one. And then any quarterback over 5,100 yards plus 130. Yeah, that's a good look. Uh, It's happening. We're going in. We're going. I mean, it happened happened last year. Yeah. Yeah. We are just moving back. into more passing. Yeah, it's not going to be... Two years years ago, I think the leader was like 4,500, but last (laughs) year we had someone go over 51. The year before that, um, yeah, I mean, Breeze had 5,200 two years ago. I want to... Maybe 2017 we did indeed have someone... I think the leader, no, 2017, nobody got over 5,100, but I think moving forward, it's going to be at least one or two guys that are going to be right at that 5,000 range. And boy, if they are talking more, more passing in Kansas city, I don't see how we don't see a 5,000 plus yard season out of, uh, out of our boy, Patty Mahomes there. Uh, there, There's a couple of other fun ones. I didn't really see any value, but it's, it's crazy. Some of the, some of the props they'll put up, like the don't bet into the any any team finishes sixteen and zero. That number's kind of bad. 
Like stay it's away from bad. some of those real wonky ones. And honestly, the fifty one hundred yards probably falls into that, and I'm falling into a trap. I'm gonna have to look into any game what ends in a tie right now. Um, another one, real quick. This was on Bavada, and this is a weird one. Um, Leighton Vanderesh, seven to one, most regular season combined tackle and assists. Oh, that's a nice one. I like that. that. Is nice. I like that. That is nice. He is going to be in eating tackles for sure. Um, okay. I dig all those. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you. We're going to see seven, someone's going to have 700 pass attempts this year. It's going to happen. We're, we're, on, we're on a very clear and obvious trajectory. Um, and actually, Alex, uh, going back to your past yards, as I, was, as I said, I don't really see anyone in that range who kind of piques my interest. Did you see Sam Darnold is 100 to 1 for yeah, most passing yards? He's, I mean, Gase, I guess it never really had. I mean, I liked the fact that you combined the coaching argument with Garoppolo there, and that makes sense. And I know Gase has never really had anyone kind of blow up from a passing standpoint, but Donald's a young guy. He's got, he's got a fresh arm, uh, and they got a decent slew of, uh, of receivers now that they've invested in. Um, I guess they don't really have anyone at the tight end position, but like, you know, you can get a thousand receiving yards from, uh, from Le'Veon Bell, you know, to pad that number. Um, Maybe he's worth the sniff. Hundred to one seems bonkers, uh, especially for a team that's going to be right around eight and eight and kind of in it every game. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> Hundred to one here. Um, okay, I'll. Yeah, I mean, it might have to be a little bigger for me, but uh, I think I think he'll be a lead. I, I'd be more excited about just taking his passing yards over. Mm, okay, okay, I, I, that's fine with me too. That's fine with me too. Um, most interceptions thrown is my favorite. And this we touched on this on Monday. Baker Mayfield is 16 to 1 here. That's crazy number to me. He is going to be chucking it often. This Browns team is going to be in a lot of fights. Um, and Mayfield is going to be under pressure a lot because his offensive line has some issues. Um, and Mayfield is the kind of guy that is not going to sacrifice his opportunity to make the play. He's going to force throws under short time. He's not going to take the sack. Uh, and, uh, you know, we saw him have some absolute, you know, w- weird moment. I- I'll never forget the weird, awful interception he had against the Raiders last year. They should have beat that Raiders team going away. I think it was like they lost like 45, 42 in overtime or something. Um, but uh, he had some game. just absolute nuts awful passes in a couple of road games last year. I won't be surprised at all to see him, you know, put up uh, 15 ish interceptions on the road, uh, plus another five ish at home, uh, which gets him into the 20 ballpark, which I think is enough to get him a win in the most interceptions thrown at 16 to one. Um, off the top of your head, Andy, who had the most interceptions last year? That is a hell of a question. Then I will slowly <laughs> stall as I look at it. Yeah, <laughs> um, probably Kurt Cousins. I don't know. It was Ben Roethlisberger with six. I just it was Ben. God, we did talk about that. I thought we yeah. talked about it. I mean, you know how many? Um, uh, you, you know how many Baker Mayfield had? Fourteen. Fourteen. And you you know how many pass attempts Ben Roethlisberger had? Quite a few more. Six hundred. Six hundred and seventy. Five. You know how many pass attempts Baker Mayfield had? He had less than that. Four hundred and eighty-six. If you get a six hundred pass attempt season out of Baker Mayfield, which seems entirely imminent, that mother is going over twenty interceptions. I can feel it in my bones. 
And that's my favorite look across man. the whole prop market, man. <laughs> didn't we? Yeah, well, didn't we? I think we talked about this during the AFC, and they're all blending together because we did so much prep talk so far. But his interceptions thrown total was 14 and a half with Which is 15 crazy. cent juice on either side. I think crazy. we talked about that in the, in the Browns preview. We said we did, yeah. Probably going to play that over. I, I might have to go look see if that's moved since. That'll be interesting. So it's uh, cool. His, but, um, well, yeah, that five dimes will take five hundred to win eight k on that. Then I will have that ticket in my queue in about t minus and it's in. Um, what was so, uh, yeah? What was his interception rate last year? It was around three percent, right? Uh, so six hundred yes. pass attempts three, at three percent. Yes, seventeen, eighteen interceptions. Yeah. I mean, assuming he holds on yeah, to that fourteen and a half is his, his attempt spike. He's, he's accurate, but he's not afraid to let it rip, like you said. Yep. And he's got the bravado that even if he throws some picks, it's not like he's going to start checking down. He's going to keep chucking it. Um, and that's what you're looking for here, really. Um, so the um, let's end this. Let's wrap this up with a little uh, lotto ticket time, just like free play. You, you know, you've, you've been given, uh, you know, $100 free play in your favorite account, and they're like, yeah, bet this, but you know, then there is no rollover requirement if you bet it in the Super Bowl matchup market. <laughs> so you have to put your hundred dollars down uh, on your favorite Super Bowl matchup for this season, and you get no rollover if you win. Um, I did not prep you guys for this. This is a spontaneous question. Uh, do you want me to go first while you think about your answers, or do you have something off the top of your head that you want to jump in on? You're gonna steal my uh, answer. What? We I'm gonna it. steal your answer. You already know. Yeah, the one we talked about early. All right, well, I'll have a different answer then. I've changed my answer. All right. Go for it. It's all you. Well, now I want want to look. Now I want to look. Well, Ravens Eagles, what was it, 125 to 1 for Ravens Eagles? Yeah, looking, yeah, it's, it's, you can find it at various prices across the the space, but uh, 100 to 1, 125 to 1 is is the, is the number in generally. And uh, yeah, that's my favorite look too. Ravens Eagles. I like this. Although the Ravens really, yeah, dude, the Ravens, I don't know how it's going to go in the playoffs. If, uh, if you can, you know, if, if, uh, you know, they come up against, uh, if they can't throw the wrong matchup. Yep. Um, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta play for us, Alex, Super Bowl matchup. I'll shoot you the number. Hmm. I am looking at, I mean, if, if, if this, if I'm not, if I'm betting your money on this, uh, I don't know. The ones that stood out to me were like Chargers, Falcons, Chargers, Vikings. Um, I, I think the Chargers have a decent shot at ending up with, uh, a, you know, a pretty good seed. And I think two. I was too. I think the Falcons <laughs> and Vikings are high upside teams. So I, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not betting that with my money, but if uh, if you're kind enough to loan a guy a hundred bucks, then you know, yeah. sure, I'll I'll throw it at it. 130 to one. If you win it, you get that bonus money with no rollover. So congratulations. Um, all right. Good looks. I like all those. That's all fun. Uh, we haven't mentioned the chiefs as potential super bowl, uh, candidates. And I think we may be looking past that team just because, uh, they going to be good. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to steer clear of the saints in this market. I think it's fair to steer clear of the pats just because they're so overbet. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we did a good job. Great. Uh, you, you want Hopefully. any parting words? Any parting words here as we wrap up the Hopefully. preseason, Andy? <laughs> Probabalooza three, three, do, do, three. Do, 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 do. We 
are guaranteed not to do as poorly as Prop Palooza 1 and 2 because we didn't make uh, nearly as many bets on things we have no idea what we're doing. Um, So good job. Um, Okay, that was fun. Best of luck this season. Alex, thank you so much for your time. We'll definitely circle back and get your take on how things are going mid-season or towards the end of the season once we we have a better feel for how things are are shaping up. Um, And with that, best of luck. 2019 NFL. Awesome. Thank you.